Al-Bayan Radio presents the following Friday khutbah from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo, asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Inna alhamdulillah nahmuduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa natubu ilayh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina may yahdihillah falamudillalah wa may yudlil falahadiyalah wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika lah وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله قال الله تعالى بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون ثم أما بعد A common problem that we have within ourselves that subhanallah no one is free from this is that when we want to know our position how well we are going how we are looking at our actions, how we're pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't look and see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us and how much effort we need to place and how much more we need to do to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather what we do is we look at everyone else. We literally look at everyone else and we see what everyone else is doing. And as long as we're doing a little bit better than everyone else, then we consider ourselves to be in a good position with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, if we come to the masjid and we see, for example, that no one's reading Quran, if we read one or two verses, we think, okay, we've done a little bit more than everyone else. We see people, for example, may give $100 in charity, we give $102 in charity, we think, you know what? We've done a little bit better. And we're always comparing ourselves to others. And sometimes as long as we're doing a little bit better or we're on the same level as other people, we think, we're doing good, we're doing fantastic, we're doing great. But the thing is, what if the whole world is so far away from Islam and so far away from the mercy of Allah and so far away from Jannah and we're sitting on the same train or the same boat or the same, you know, bus or whatever, going along with everyone else thinking, you know, we're doing fine, we're doing great. But in reality, we're not moving. Reality, we're not going anywhere. And that's a sad fact that a lot of times we compare ourselves to generally the other people. Rather comparing ourselves to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Yani we see that in the actions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi and the companions. And comparing ourselves to this. And saying this is where they were. This is where we are. And this is how much we need to do to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, we look at people that honestly, majority, don't really care. And the question is so simple. How many of us work up for Fajr today? That's a simple question a person asks himself. And you'll be surprised. A lot of people will be asking themselves, did I wake up for Fajr today? I don't think I did work out for Fajr today. But that's okay, because the majority of people I know don't pray Fajr. That's wrong. A lot of times we compare ourselves to actions of people that are not pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as long as we feel to ourselves we do a little bit better, all of a sudden we're a good and we're a righteous person. That's not the way that it works. See, there's a certain standard that a Muslim he has to live his life. And a lot of times... When you start looking and comparing, you realize something. That you start to become blinded 
thinking that that's enough. That's what Allah needs from me. That's what Allah wants from me. And the reality is, you're far from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires you as a believer to be like. Even at times, subhanAllah, our actions are no different between us and the non-Muslim. They're no different. The actions, the lifestyle, the living is all exactly the same as someone that does not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that we may pray a prayer here and a prayer there. That's the only difference. And other times, sad to say, that even the lifestyle of a non-Muslim may be better than some Muslims. Because both don't pray, both don't recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but that non-Muslim might be better in character, better in morals, better in charity, whatever it may be. There's no reward for his actions, but we're just saying in the terms of you comparing yourself. And this is sad. I remember there used to be a man, we always used to see him in the masjid, he used to always be in the back after every Aisha prayer, and he always used to write in this little notebook. And once I was intrigued, I wanted to know, I was young, I, go, you know, I gave my salams to the brother, and I asked him, I go, why every time after Aisha, you know, you go, you write in this notebook? He goes, no, no, he goes, I'm just doing my checklist for today. I go, what do you mean your checklist? He goes, my checklist of how many sunnah prayers I've done, how many verses of the Quran I've, I've, I've done, my athqar, my remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, how many hadith I've read, what I've done, or how many lectures I've listened to. So every day I sit down and I calculate, right, my personal best or whatever, how much I've done, and I try to beat it every single day, or I try to increase, or at least I can maintain it. I said, subhanAllah, so you're keeping a track record of what you're doing and trying to improve yourself. And he's not turning around and looking around and seeing what everyone else is doing and saying, you know what, I'm doing a bit better. He's saying, no, I need to do my best to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have to do my best to connect myself with Allah, with my Creator. Rather, it's the other way around. We look around. Yeah, that, that guy's doing haram. That guy's doing, All right, I'm not doing that, that bad of a haram. I'm not doing that bad of a heart. Oh, that guy's, you know, cheating and ripping and deceptive and whatever. But you know, I'm doing a little bit of fraud. I'm doing a little bit of bad thing, but it's not as bad as that guy. You know, that guy's selling, you know, drugs, but, you know, I'm not as bad as him. And we think to ourselves that just because we're better than some people, that means that we automatically have, you know, mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that's wrong. A Muslim strives for his whole life. His whole life he strives. And he pushes himself forth. And he moves forward in his life and he tries to do the best that he can in every single action that he does. Every single action. And sometimes, subhanAllah, when we find someone flying, flying, they're doing so well in their deen, they're, doing, they're reading Quran, they're doing you know, so well, they're memorizing, they're doing everything, they're giving so much sadaqah. We start to become devils. We do. We become shayateen to that person. We go to him, we say, bro, why are you putting like why are you spending so much time? You know? You should be working more, maybe more sustenance from your family. But why are you always sitting reading Quran? Come play soccer with us. Come play with us. Come hang out with us. And we talk amongst ourselves. Well, our brothers always, always din, din, din. Alright, religion is important, but like 24 hours a day, we start to become devils to that person. Come hang out with us. Come hang out with us. Why are you always Listening to lectures, why are you always listening to lectures, uh, lessons? You know, alright, we have Islam, you know, it's in the hearts, we're connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we pray, but lucky, you have to have time for yourself. We start becoming devils to that person. And we start even talking among ourselves, man, that guy is so religious, so all he does is, 
you know, he reads Quran, he's growing his beard, he's, he's always in the masjid, he's always, you know, uh, you know, reciting Quran, he's always listening to les- going to lessons, he has no time for himself. And then we start blaming him and consider what he's doing is wrong. Oh, he doesn't spend time with his family, doesn't spend time with his children, his, t- his children are going to be deviated. You know, he's not, what type of person, what type of Muslim, we actually start bagging this person out. Because why? He's ahead of us. And we don't like that. Generally, the human being doesn't like to see someone ahead of him, especially if he feels that I'm on the path to paradise. The reality is, no one's on the path to paradise. That even if the son of Adam were to prostrate from the day he's born to the day he died and not raising his head on a day of resurrection, he will regret that he could not do more. He'll say, I wish I did more to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So never be content that, you know what, I've done enough. Never be content that, you know what, I've actually succeeded. I've actually achieved. No. person continues to fight and push forth in his actions of ibadah. Never figure to himself, that's enough. That's enough. I remember in Hajj, I told the brothers, I said, listen, one thing that I, I was taught from a previous Hajj experience, the most important time in Hajj is when you're in Arafah, especially between Asr and Maghrib. This is the most important time of Hajj. And you want to add maybe between Duhar and Maghrib even more if you're there earlier. I tell him, make dua, make supplication, turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, go find a corner where there's no one there. This is the Hajj. This is the most important time of your Hajj. So we grabbed some brothers, one brother went in that corner, one brother went in that corner, one brother went on the other side, all little, you know, secluded areas, and they made dua until the sun set, until Maghrib, until that time of Maghrib. While other brothers, they were making dua to about half an hour, an hour before Maghrib, and then they said, man, that's enough, we have read enough Quran, we've made enough dua, and they went and they slept. They were lying down, because they were exhausted. They would consider themselves to be tired Even though they can sleep after that But that's not the point What shocked me the most Is we heard a bit of Like commotion Like noise And the brothers that were sitting In sort of secluded areas Were looking at each other like what's that Why is there so much noise Like a lot of people talking So the brothers got up They went around the corner with, Around the tent To see what's all this noise and everyone that was in the tent and around the corner that was supposed to, was supposed to be making dua and supplication, they were so amazed that someone brought a camel that was all dressed up and all colorful, right? Brought them to, you know, to the area that they're in. And they were so fascinated with this camel that they all stopped the dua, they stopped the supplication, they stopped the most important time in Hajj to take photos with this camel. And each one standing there taking photos and selfies with the camel, paying $10 to sit on the camel. And the brothers were looking like, like the most important time of Hajj, and you're being distracted by a camel. Look, you can't do this after, you can't do this before. But because they felt oh, we've done enough, this is just an example. We've done enough. It's enough. See, when you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's never enough, especially at important times. Person continues to fight forth and never gives up and says, that's enough. No, especially when you have to really be pushing yourself. Like the last 10 days of Ramadan. Someone does the first 3-4 days of, man, that's enough. There's no limits. A person should always, when no one else is pushing themselves, no one else is fighting, everyone else is distracted. So you know what? 
it's fine. I'm a little bit better than everyone else. That's not the way that a Muslim compares himself to others. The reality of paradise and hellfire is each of them have their full, meaning each of them have their position. Right? In other words, it's a competition. It's a competition to attain a position in paradise. Because if we look at the hadith of Rasulullah when we look at the notion of how the Prophet talked about paradise and hellfire, how each of them will take full, everyone will take their position, everyone will take their spot. And some narrations out of 1,999 in hellfire and one in paradise. And it's a ratio going on here. So it's a competition for paradise, a competition for Jannah. So a person fights himself to enter Jannah, to enter paradise. But the issue comes when, when a person thinks, you know what, I've done enough. The thing is, you don't know the end of your race. You don't know your death. You can't give in. And we grew up with this story of, you know, the rabbit and the turtle. Everyone, you know, remember this story growing up. What happened? There was a rabbit that was racing a turtle. And the rabbit took off and was so far ahead of the turtle or the tortoise or whatever. It was so far ahead. And he looked back and he realized that, you know, he's so far ahead. He's done so great. He's done so fantastic that, you know what, I'm just going to sleep by this tree and I'm going to relax and take it easy because at the end of the day, I've won. You know what I mean? I'm ahead. So... He lied down under this tree, he ended up falling asleep, and then the tortoise or the turtle or whatever came past the rabbit and ended up winning the actual race. And the rabbit woke up and realized that the tortoise is just about to cross the line, he started rushing and realized that he had lost. What happened to this rabbit? Right? The rabbit became complacent. The rabbit became confident. The rabbit fought. What I've done, I've done enough. But the thing is, he hasn't finished. It's never enough until death comes to a person. Because death will bring the reality. Death will show the reality of where you are and what your position is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you have all the time until that happens to do good deeds. So a person doesn't stop and say, you know what? I've done enough. You know, I've done enough sadaqah in my life. I've done enough this. I've done enough that. I've done whatever it may be. Even, and this subhanAllah, if we understood this story, we understood this incident with Amr ibn Khattab radiallahu if we really understood this incident, then we would understand the mentality of the companions, how they were and how they focused. So when Amr ibn Khattab was stabbed and he was dying, the reason he was dying because when they gave him something to drink, they gave him milk, Whatever he drank started to come out of his wounds. Yani those wounds that the, he was stabbed were in his stomach and khalas. Yani it's only a matter of time before he's going to you know, either bleed out or starve to death. So he's dying. But he still knows what's going on. And a man came to see Amr ibn Khattab. Remember, he's dying. He knows that he's a shaheed. He knows that he's attained shahada. Even from the words of the Prophet ﷺ, when they were in Uhud, and Uhud started to shake, he said, calm down your Uhud, on you is, you know, a Siddiq and shahidan, which is two shaheeds and Abu, uh, 
Amr and Uthman anhum were with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the mountain. So he knows it's shahada and he knows that he was killed. He even asked, who killed me? Who stabbed me? And they told him, Abu Lu'lu, which was a, you know, majus, a fire worshipper. He killed me. He killed and he stabbed Amr ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. So a man had come in. He knows that he's on his deathbed. He knows that, you know, inshallah, there's, there's you know, shahada. And he knows from the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he could give up right there and then. So you know what? Who cares about anyone? There's no point anymore. I don't need to give any advice. I don't need to do anything. My life is done. A man came in. And as he was leaving, his garment, his taub, was dragging on the floor. And Abar ibn Khattab, he saw this. And he called the man. And he said to him, lift up your thawb. Lift up your thawb to avoid the punishment of Allah and so that it may remain clean and not get dirty from najas. I need to pick up najas and so it may remain clean. So even on his deathbed, even as he was dying, he still enjoyed good and forbade evil. He still told someone that what you're doing is wrong. He still couldn't see someone doing something that wasn't right. And he still had the energy to say to this person, lift up your thob, lift up your izar, lift up your garment. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, whatever's under or whatever of the thob or the izar is under the ankles is in hellfire. So he told him, lift it. And so that it also remains clean. What does that tell you? <laughs> Even a man... Amr al-Khattab on his deathbed was still pushing towards the end, towards the end of his life. And this is what we say to brothers, it's not over. You have to keep pushing. There should be no point of your life in which you should say, Khalas, I have done enough. Looking at everyone else, no one's done what I've done. I've built a masjid. I've done this. I've done this. I've done that. I've prayed. I've prayed qiyam. I've finished the Quran two, three times in this in this year and whatever. I've done this. I've done that. I've helped that person. You know what? Khalas, man, I'm tired. I retire from doing good actions. I retire worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I retire doing anything good. That doesn't work like that. A person pushes himself as much as he can until the end. Because at the end of the day, it's a competition for you to enter paradise.